welcome, if you guys would help me welcome Pastor Greg and Bridget. We're so excited to hear from you. Come on up. Which side was I set up? It was exciting. Give, her, give these guys a big hand for throwing married life for us. And a shout out to our folks in the sound booth. Way to go, Reigns. Praise <laughs> the Lord. We're thankful for y'all. So yeah, like you mentioned, my name is uh, Greg Gless. I'm the pastor of our Generous Life Ministry, um, which is a stewardship ministry. This is my wife, Bridget, who is kind of like co-pastor almost in a lot of ways of the Generous Life Ministry. And uh, anyway, yeah, we, uh, as far as what the Generous Life Ministry offers, apparently offer a little bit of uh, married life teaching on occasion, and uh, <laughs> which we're super excited about and honored to be here tonight and be able to share with you guys. Really feel like the Lord has given us something pretty cool to share with you guys that I think will help your marriage both tonight and hopefully in the long run. So we're excited to, to share it with you. We were pretty excited to receive it. And uh, uh, yeah, so as far as the Generous Life Ministry, one of the cornerstone mission, I guess really the mission of the ministry is that we would have uh, opportunities for people in any different financial situation, whether you're struggling financially or doing really, real, really well financially and anywhere in between, opportunities to both grow spiritually and also to equip you with practical different tips. So we have a, a financial freedom workshop that actually starts two weeks from tonight, runs Wednesday nights down the olive tree, and uh, it's equal parts spiritual growth and equal parts practical stuff. So everyone that comes would end up really figuring out how to use your faith on purpose in the area of finances, and as well as leave with a working budget, and hopefully if you're married, then also uh, be in agreement over the area of your finances as well. We do spend some time talking about how to handle finances in marriage, so that leads us into tonight where we're not going to be talking about finances and marriage. We're going to be talking about something different tonight, which is going to be kind of fun, but a little bit outside maybe of our comfort zone. So anyway, we're going to be celebrating 20 years of marriage this fall. We're finally getting up there. Woo! <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. All you guys that we paid to, to clap, we appreciate that. Uh, so we have three kids uh, between the ages of 6 and 16. Uh, spread out between four and five years uh, of age between them. That was my fault against the better uh, judgment of my wife. And uh, we were super excited uh, last fall when married life changed from uh, married under 40 to married life so that we could actually come now. So this is awesome. So thank you guys for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, so tonight, like I mentioned, we got, we got something that really feels like it's from the Lord to share with you guys. It's going to be fun. It might challenge you guys a little bit. We might ask you to get a little bit out of your comfort zone. Just uh, take a step of faith, and uh, let's just see what the Lord might do tonight. Does that sound good? Yes? <laughs> I got one yes. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. We're going to build momentum. All right. Here we go. All right. So the main theme for tonight, and I think everyone, does everyone have, find handouts with some, some notes on your table? And space for notes. There's some space for notes, I should say. You can take that home with you. Um, there's some on some other tables if we need to get them, but feel free to take notes and uh, take it home with you. But uh, tonight's message is about unity in marriage. Unity in marriage. We really feel like you can't talk about marriage in the kingdom without talking about unity. Uh, God's plan for marriage, he tells us is in Genesis 2, he basically said the two would become one flesh, that there would basically be unity. And he talks about it in his words like being a holy union. And... Uh, even earlier in Genesis, he gets started by telling us in Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So this is God sitting there talking with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. There's three of them there. And they're talking amongst each other and say, let us make it just like us. And so the image of the, uh, in, our, in our likeness, the image of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. See, they're all separate beings, but they're united as one. And I think that's what we're supposed to be in marriage is united in one as one. Um, so if I could, if I asked you to be a part of a volunteer this, this uh, evening, could you go ahead and come on forward, guys? So when, when God is talking about the Father, Son, right, and the Holy right Spirit, here. and the unity in those three, we see it looks like this, right? We have a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This represents God here, right? And so first, God created man, and, and that didn't look like that. Right? And so then he created a woman for him. And it still didn't look like that. And so when we, Greg's going to be God now, when we have our marriage with God in the center, now we're a perfect reflection when we are in unity. And so when Satan saw this, he saw a reflection of God. 
And, and of course, what was his reaction? He was terrified because he knew God was all-powerful, and he saw the power in the unity of a marriage, and so he attacked. And how did he attack? With division. He didn't go for both of them. He pulled them apart, right? He pulled Eve apart. And so then, then we, started, we didn't look like that. We didn't look like the image of God. But when we can be in spiritual unity with God in the center, then we're a perfect <laughs> image and reflection of, of God. So thank you, guys. Thank you, volunteers. <laughs> thank you. That wasn't so bad, thank was it? Guys. Give them a hand, guys. Yep. Thank you, guys. Didn't even hurt. Praise the Lord. So ever since then, that's still Satan's plan. It's always division. I mean, he always goes for separating, separating father from son, you know, uh, husband from wife, mother from child, all of that. And, and that's his, because he hates the power that's in unity. Yeah, yeah. So talking about the power of unity, we'll, let's look at a couple of scriptures that really reinforce the power that there is in being united. Uh, Matthew 18, 19, and 20 tells us, this is Jesus speaking, saying, Again, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it'll be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what we just saw with a couple with God involved in that, in that uh, with, their, with their marriage? Matthew 12, 25, we have Jesus saying that, uh, that telling us that every kingdom divided against, divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. So if, when we do have division, that house cannot stand, right? So again, that goes back to what Bridget was mentioning about tearing the, the family unit apart and bringing division. And we heard a teaching in the fall by Gary and Drenda Cassie, and they, they teach a lot about finances and stewardship. That's a lot of what we listen to, but they were talking specifically about what a difference in their prayer life uh, seeking and being intentional about creating unity in their marriage. Um, prayers were answered like they never had been answered before. And so we said, okay, Lord, that's a word for us. And so we said, we're, we're doing it. We're going to commit to unity in a new way, in a better way, in a bigger and a deeper way. And man, things have just been happening like crazy. You know, we, we've been saved almost 20 years and uh, there's always seasons, you know, of of great growth and great answered prayers and there's less of that and there's time of you know all those things but this has just been things we've struggled with since we got saved breaking off gone it, just in the last few months and it's just it's awesome you know it's amazing the power that comes with unity and so the vision god kind of gave to us is that when we we read in the bible about fortified cities right they had these big walls around them and the purpose of that wall was to protect what was most important, which was inside the city. Their ability to produce fruits and, and goods, to be able to feed the people inside, right? And, and to have trade and exchange. And, and for us in marriage, that, that's what unity is. It is something that is, should, should be protected and guarded over all else. Whatever the issue is, unity is more important. Whatever the problem that we're disagreeing about, unity has to be the priority. That way we are fortified. That way we are protected. We have that wall around us. Yep, that's so good. So how do we get there? Um, we were praying on that, and the Lord showed us, I believe, to take a look at the parable of the sower over in Mark 4. Um, Jesus explains, tells the parable. So I'll just go ahead and share this uh, parable. Um, it's uh, basically a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, and because the soil was shallow, uh, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so, so they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil, and it came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. So who wants some of that fourth type of soil in the area of your marriage, right? All right, so we'll walk right through this here. So the, the disciples didn't really understand that parable at first, and they asked Jesus to explain it more. So thankfully, they recorded that, so we can use that <laughs> to our advantage as well. Um, but basically, in, in verse 13, it's not in our notes, but in verse, or no, it is in 13, uh, Jesus tells us that this specific parable is like a key. It will unlock all the rest of the parables. If we can understand this one, that we can use it to help us understand the other parables. So really what it's going to do is it's going to explain to us how the kingdom works. 
And then if we can understand how the kingdom works, these kingdom principles, we can take anything like marriage, for example, drop it in and run it through the filter of this parable and understand how to have success in the kingdom in that area. So that's what we want to do tonight with marriage and unity is drop it through the filter of this, uh, this parable and then have, have the scripture just, just, just minister to us on, uh, on having that 30, 60, 100 fold uh, marriage. Does that sound good? Amen. All right. So basically when we're looking at this parable, the kingdom um, is going to come down to basically two items or two variables. And you're going to see it throughout the story is that there's, number one, our hearts, um, which you refer to as our soil. Everything in the kingdom is about our hearts at the end of the day. Where are we coming at things in the area of our heart? Second is going to be the word of God. Um, that's going to be the seed in the in this story. So just keep that in mind as we're walking through the description. So anyway, Jesus goes on to explain the parable. And it's, it basically starts where we'd hope at the first type of soil in verse 15. And it says, some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So we see there, it falls on this path. There's no soil. So it's not getting into our heart, right? And uh, it doesn't get down into the ground at all. So this is, when we're talking about our hearts, this is a hard heart, an unforgiving heart. And sometimes we can come into marriage with a hard heart, not realizing it, but from maybe our parents had a bad marriage or maybe we had a previous bad relationship or whatever, uh, wounds in our heart, we can come into a marriage hard-hearted. Um, but then there's also, you know, when you, if you've been married more than two years, you, there's something that happened that you need to forgive, right? Amen. And so we can grow a hard-heartedness in those things. And then there's those little everyday things right? Those little foxes like the, like the Bible talks about, that we just have to be in constant forgiveness with our spouse so that we don't become hard-hearted. Oh, every time she does that, every time he leaves his socks there, right? And then we can become hard-hearted in those areas and we just got to walk in a tender heart. I know, a lot of, I saw a lot of people saying <laughs> yes to that one. You so, got some yeah. amens uh -huh, on that? Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. yeah right. <laughs> Hitting a little too close to home. Yeah. So that, that's that soil, that's the hard-hearted soil. Yep. So why is forgiveness important? And we'll, we'll quickly hit on two important reasons. And number one is it really un having unforgiveness in our heart, and, or I should say walking in forgiveness, it really is the key to answer prayers. We look over in Mark eleven twenty five. Jesus is teaching about how faith works. And it, it, he ends that teaching on how to, how to make your faith work and how to get results in prayer and says that uh, when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. So walking in forgiveness really is a key to having answered prayer. It just can, faith cannot operate in an unforgiving heart. Number two, just as important, is because he tells us to. If, if God tells us, a loving, kind Father that wants the best for us, tells us it's important to forgive, then it's probably going to be a good idea to go ahead and do that. And you know, if you've been at church here for more than about two weeks, you probably have heard someone preach on uh, forgiveness. So we won't spend a ton of time on that. But Colossians 3, 13 and 14 says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Forgive who that offends you? Some people? Anyone who offends you. So would that includes your spouse? <laughs> probably, probably. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Oh, so it doesn't sound optional, right? Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us together in perfect harmony or unity. So there's a key there for how do we actually get together and have that power and unity. Um, we, gotta, we have to walk in love and walking in, for, in forgiveness. That's the first step. That's the first step. All right, so now we're going to do an activity. This is where you might have to get outside of your comfort zone just a bit. Um, so we're going to take a minute and just uh, go ahead and ask the Lord to show you an area that you need to ask your partner for forgiveness in or an area that you need to forgive your spouse or even anyone from your past potentially. So go ahead and take a few seconds and uh, just ask the Lord to show you an area that you might need to forgive someone else or might need to ask for forgiveness.
sure you probably heard something from the Lord during that time. So now we're going to take another step of faith. And I'm going to ask you to grab hands with your spouse or who you came here with tonight. So <laughs> if, you're, if you're not married yet, but, you know. but anyway, and go ahead and just take turns forgiving each other. Ask for forgiveness. It'd be good if the men went ahead and went first. If there's anything you'd like to ask for forgiveness. And then let's take a step of faith and actually forgive. And then wives, you take a turn. We'll give you about a minute and a half to do this. good ministry going on here that's awesome well you can take the notes home with you and you can continue this uh this step um but that kind of wraps up our first type of soil can you hear me okay yeah all right so let's take a look now at the second type of soil that are listed in verses 16 and 17 jesus goes on to explain that it says that others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So in this example, we do have just a thin layer of soil, a little bit of room in our heart to receive a seed, uh, but it's very shallow. We have very, not enough room for deep roots, just enough room, enough soil for some shallow roots at that point. So when, when troubles come along, sun or wind come along, it scorches it, it gets too dry, and ends up killing the plant. Um, so that's not where we want to end. So what that can look like in our relationship is a shallow heart, right? A shallow heart that would be uh, looking to get rather than to give. A self-serving heart, a selfish heart. Um, and in, in a marriage, it can look like there's not much goodwill built up. We're easy to assume the worst. Um, we, we're quick to take offense. Like, oh, I know what he meant by that. Or I know what, she, well, I know what she's trying to say when she says that quick to take offense and when when hard things come up and they come up then then we don't have the goodwill we don't have the depth to be able to make it through that because we're not looking to see the best in each other and we're not looking to serve each other so how do we put down deep roots you know how do we how do we survive and thrive in tough times um, we do what the bible tells us to in ephesians three seventeen. we become rooted and grounded in love rooted and grounded in God. God is love. And so um, love is, is not an emotion. It's not a feeling. God is love. And so love gives. That's what love does. And we're looking for agape love in our marriage, right? That unconditional love. Um, like that example we saw of the husband and the wife and God. When we have God in the middle who is love, then we can start to see the other person through his eyes, through his lenses, and we can see the best in them. And when they screw up, because they screw up and they say things, we say, man, I know how God looks at that. I know that's his struggle. I know that's hard for him. Or I know she, she gets defensive in that area, but I, I know she's so good. I know she's a gift from God. And we're looking to serve and to build each other up. So um, in, in Ephesians 4, 2, and 3, it says, I love this, with all humility and gentleness, humility toward our spouse and gentleness with patience bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity 
of the spirit and the bond of peace. So we're eager to maintain unity. I want to see the best in you. I want to serve you. I want to see the good in you. And so that when things come, I, I'm, I'm, we're going through it together. Um, and in 1 Corinthians 13, 7, I mean, the love scripture is such a great scripture, but love bears up under anything and everything that comes and is ever ready to believe the best in every person. I don't know if you all have ever listened to Jimmy Evans. He does a lot of marriage teaching. He has marriage today. We listen to lots of his stuff when, we, when we're looking to improve our marriage. But one of the things he says all the time is the only successful marriage is when you have two servants in love. We got to be serving. We got to be looking to lay down our own life and our needs and serving the other person. Yeah, that is good. We could just stop right there. That yeah, was right. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But uh, we're not. <laughs> there, wait there's more so so yeah so what does that look like walking in that kind of love with with your spouse well i'll speak f to the husbands here husbands it's going to look like you know what does loving your wife mean in that way it's going to be laying down your life for your wife and on the surface that might sound really bad but all the not sure, maybe not all but your your level of satisfaction and joy in life will be greatly increased when you do that the things that the devil might have you chasing after in your marriage and putting you first and it might even feel like maybe you're maybe you're, an area would be like chasing finances and you're, you're chasing after finances with the thought that this will be good for my family but it's at the expense of your marriage then at that point that's not a healthy thing um, so it's it's laying down your life and loving your wife like Christ loves the church basically so setting down those desires and any selfishness and putting your marriage first um, the second area is leadership Guys, this is big. Uh, leadership in our home um, basically it looks like saying to your wife, and she can see you know you living this out each day, is follow me as I follow Christ. Now, any wife will follow a man who is following Christ, you know, through the thick and the thin. So we, we really have to make a, an effort to do that, to, to plug into the leadership of God, following him, and then leading our wife along, along that path. Um, and one quick tip on how to kind of initiate that and do that is uh, just heard Shannon O'Dell, who last time he was here, uh, and you may have said it previous times, but I heard it for the first time. <laughs> and he was talking about washing your wife with the water of the word, reading scripture to your wife and, and with her and to her. And uh, that's one thing that we decided to advice to take and did during Pray First here. And I think that was one of the elements that we were able to do that brought us into greater unity and agreement that allowed just all sorts of supernatural things to break loose in our lives. Just, just amazing. So it worked for us. I, I would suggest <laughs> maybe, maybe trying that. Um, so 1 Peter 3, 7 tells us, In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are. And that might just be talking about physically because we know that our, our spouses are pretty strong spiritually and emotionally and everything, right? But she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should. Now catch this. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. You could kind of flip that around and say, treat her, when you treat her as you should, your prayers will not be hindered. Those prayers will be answered. And honestly, we, we saw that big time in the month of January. So uh, for wives, when, it, when we're talking about being a servant wife and loving your husband, um, I'm sure lots of you have heard the book, Love and Respect. And a husband's language of love is respect. And what that looks like is what we don't do is criticize. What we don't do is make derogatory jokes about our husband, especially in front of other people. Oh, it's fine. We just joke this way. Don't, just don't make those jokes. There's a hundred things to joke about. Don't let it be at the expense of your husband. And, and we don't correct him in front of people especially. Um, you know, of course, there's always room for grace and all kinds of things. But uh, when we want our husband to look like the mighty man of God that we want him to be, then we're part of that picture by how we speak to him and about him in front of other people. Yeah. So one big thing is respecting, building him up speaking into him those things that you want him to be and when and when you're around gals and they're cutting down their husbands don't participate in that you know my husband rocks at that you know my husband struggles in some areas but he's amazing i'm so glad to be married to him 
Um, and then Greg talked about the biblical marriage of husband as a leader, which you know what that means. We have to talk about the women are to submit to their husbands. And I just want to say that Satan is so good at making black look white and white look black that he has twisted submission to look like a bondage when it's actually freedom. Be you're, when you're submitted, you're not a doormat. You are a priceless, precious princess who's protected. You are so treasured and valued that you are worth protecting, and your husband protects you and covers you. That's what it is. It is not a bondage. It's not cutting you down or, or making you less than. It is when you value yourself and you see yourself as that that woman that God has created, that's worth protecting, that you submit, and it's freedom to do that. So the other thing is that helps me mentally sometimes to submit in areas where we're disagreeing is to remember that, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that God has created order. And, and with that order in my head, it's an umbrella. And when we stay in order, we stay under his umbrella, his umbrella of protection and his umbrella of blessing. And that's where we want to be. Um, so Greg gave me this analogy years ago, and I've given it to lots of people, and I remember it myself often, that when we think of a marriage, we can think of the husband as the CEO of the company. He's the ultimate decision maker. He runs the company. He's got the final say-so. But we as wives are COOs. We're the chief operation officers. We run tons of stuff. You know, an operations officer doesn't run every single decision by the CEO, but when it comes to major decisions, we do. We stop and we go to our spouse and we say, hey, this is a major decision. And what Greg likes, and I, I would guess a lot of men like, is when I come with solutions. Here's what the problem is. Here's what I think the answer is. Are you okay with that? Are you okay if we do that? And if he says no, I'm not okay with that. That doesn't sound like a good plan then I find more information to support myself even more <laughs> to story. show him how, how right I am. But then it comes down to really believing that we both want success. The CEO and the COO both are there for the company to succeed, right? And so if Greg makes a decision and I don't think it's the right decision, what I trust is he wants our family to be successful as much as I do. And if it looks like we're going to do it that way, then I'm going to trust. And I'm going to trust the God in him and the God above him to be able to work it out, even if he makes the wrong decision. But when we get out of order, when I don't do what he says, when I go and do what I want, now we've taken God out of the equation because we've gotten out of unity. I'm doing what I want. I don't care what he says. And, and now we don't have that protection anymore. So I'd rather him make the wrong decision what seems wrong in my eyes under God's protection than being able to do what I think is right without that. Amen. That's so good. Well said. All right. So now we're going to do an activity for the second type of soil here. So we're going to do a confession here. So go ahead and take hands with, with your spouse. Look into each other's eyes and, and repeat after me. God, we invite you into our marriage. We welcome unconditional love into our marriage all right now husbands say to your wife repeat after me i purpose by the holy spirit to love you like christ loves the church to lay my life down for you and to lead you as i follow christ i will be ever ready to believe the best in you and now, wife to your husband, I purpose by the Holy Spirit to respect you at all times, to honor your position of authority, and to trust your walk with God. I am free to walk in submission to you, and I will be ever ready to believe the best in you. So good, guys. So, so good. good. Amen. All right. Mm -hmm. We're deepening that soil already. We're now in the third type of soil. Verses 18 and 19, Jesus goes on to explain, says, Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, 
but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So in this particular situation, now we're to a point where we have good soil. It's actually pretty deep now. We're able to put down deep roots. There's actually lots of love and a a certain degree of uh, fruit and harvest coming up. But we also see that there's something else coming up. There's some weeds that are coming up. So other, other than these weeds, this is really on, on the outside and even between the spouses would look like a good marriage. This is actually a pretty solid marriage. So uh, anyway. Yep. So then um, these are just the other things in life that are coming up and distracting us from our marriage. Um, like Greg said, even though it's good soil, it can choke out our marriage. It's, it's people who have been married 25, 35, 45 years and we hardly know each other. You know, because there's just been distractions. I don't have ill will. I don't have unforgiveness. But we've been busy. We've been doing other things. Um, we have good intentions toward each other, but it just doesn't seem like we're connected. I just don't, we just aren't on the same page about things. Um, so there's three specific worries that Jesus pointed out there. The first was, um, or three specific types of weeds. The first was worries about life. And if you're married for any amount of time, I mean, I don't have to name them, you could name them, but kids, health, income, school, extended family. I mean, I hope none of you have that, but we have a little bit of that. A little bit of weeds that are extended family that will just keep pulling us as much as we let them pull us, you know, or our kids' activities. Uh, they can get signed up, you sign each kid up for six things, and you know, you're, where's your marriage? Where's your time together? Um, the other thing he talks about is the deceitfulness of wealth. And what does that look like in our marriage? Greg kind of talked about it earlier, the workaholic. That's an example. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to work 60 hours a week. I'm going to provide for my family. Where is the marriage in that? Where is the unity in our marriage in that? Um, it can also be, as a couple, our identity and our stuff. When we're concerned more about, I mean, have you ever taken two weekends, three weekends, four weekends, just taking care of your stuff? Because we have so much of it, right? We got to clean the summer, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, then, and then, where's the time for each other? And chasing after these things at the expense of our marriage. And then the third thing he talks about is the desire for other things, and that just looks like dissatisfaction with what we have. You know, not remembering to look and be thankful for the things that we have. And in our marriage, that can look like comparing our spouse to someone else. And, of course, if you haven't seen someone else's dirty socks, they look perfect. That, that, that husband would be so much better for me. That wife do, does such a better job of submitting to her husband or serving her husband. But you're not at their house. We're not at their house, you know. Dissatisfaction with what we have. Looking for fulfillment in ourselves and anything outside of our marriage to make us feel fulfilled make us feel whole Mm -hmm. yeah so that's good bridge so we can look at this and see that uh, that uh, it's not optional and whether these weeds are going to come up or not i grew up on a farm and we planted corn and soybeans every year for years and years and years and years and years we treated for weeds every single year and guess what happened every single year even though we never planted a single weed (laughs) weeds came up every single year stinking weeds (laughs) (laughs) so i think that's what jesus is trying to warn us about you can be good for a season and there's going to be weeds that'll come back up so we have to always be on the lookout for these weeds to come up that doesn't mean you're planting the wrong thing in your heart they just come up because we i think we live in a fallen world and there's just there's just things that come up so uh if we want to have that 30 60 100 fold marriage then we got to be sure that those weeds don't come up and start to separate us they can grow up um Sometimes weeds can grow up, especially in the early stages when you're trying to grow something. Those weeds can get big, and they can choke out the sunlight and take all the water and grow super big, super fast. And then the plants that you're trying to grow, and our marriage in this case, can shrivel up and die and suffer because of that. So it's easier to get these weeds when they're smaller. um, But as we grow, um, we'll keep an eye out for those things. yeah, when you, get them, when you get those weeds out when they're smaller, they're a whole lot easier to get out than when they get bigger and they really take root. They'll take a lot less time and energy to deal with them and cause a lot less uh, damage to the plants that are around them, right? Um, so how do we go about keeping the weeds out of our garden then? Because they're going to come. Well, there's a couple, couple suggestions we would give is, you know, be on the lookout since we know they're coming. But we're talking about our heart, right? So we want to do a heart check. Psalm 139.23 says, search me, God, and know my heart. So 
ask the Holy Spirit, involve God, and say, all right, so am I dealing with weeds in any of these areas that uh, we need to go ahead and get those uprooted and thrown out so that we can have this 30 and 60 and 100-fold marriage and go from having a good marriage to a great marriage. Um, and then last but not least is give each other permission to speak each, into each other's lives. Who's got a better view for where there might be things growing and, and getting us distracted than our spouse? So be open to having, uh, uh, giving each other permission to speak into each other's lives. Um, if, if you've ever had a little girl, you've probably gotten a bouquet of flowers from the yard, right? They go out <laughs> and pick the flowers from the yard. Well, they don't know they're weeds. They just think they're flowers, right? So one big key that we have to do, do is to identify what are weeds and what are not weeds. We don't always see that. Um, things like I said, like your kids being involved in things or, or, or being a volunteer at church. I mean, good things. But if it's coming between the, the ability for you to connect as a married couple, it's a weed. And so we have to just, like Greg said, we go to God with that. Um, Romans 12.2 tells us that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So if it is a good thing, but it's not God's will, then it's a weed and it's going to cause a problem. It's going to take us away from what is God's will. So we need to identify what the weeds are, and that just takes asking the Lord. Um, and the other thing that it takes to pull weeds is time. There is nothing in uh, that we can do for our marriage that will substitute for time spent together. It, it, I mean, if you're going to pull weeds, you can use all the spray you want and whatever, but it comes down to spending time doing it. Um, that it's how we build our marriage. It's how we grow our marriage. It's how we keep our marriage a priority. Um, and so the, the way that I guess we sort of look at time spent together is you first have your sort of everyday touch base. You know, I don't know about you, but when dad comes in the door, the kids are like, dad, 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 I got to tell you everything that happened today. I'm going to start with what time I woke up. And, it, it, yeah, but we have to make sure that we spend the time to say, okay, no kids, right? How was your day? How you doing? Where are you at? What's going on? You know, in that nightly touch base time. And then there's date night and everyone has heard about date night. And we have forsaken date night years, many years, when we didn't feel like we could. You know, our kids were little. We didn't have babysitters, all this stuff. And our marriage suffered for it. And when we prioritize date night and we just say, hey, can you come do something Friday night? You know what? We can't. We already have something scheduled. It's our date. So, no, we're not available that night. It's a priority. It's on the calendar. It's written in ink. We don't sacrifice it. It's, it's on there. Um, and babysitting, I mean, yeah, I, I totally get it, but babysit swap, it's amazing. Hey, can you watch ours the second Friday of the month and we'll watch yours the fourth Friday? And we just swap and it's a free babysit and everybody wins. And then there's getaways, some kind of getaway, a weekend getaway once a year, time. Nothing is going to replace time, nothing. Um, and then energy, you know, <laughs> when you are out there pulling weeds, it's hard work. I mean, that's why kids hate it. That's why we make them do it, because it's a ton of work. And, you know, once they're old enough, we don't want to do it anymore. But in our marriage, we have to be intentional about making sure that our marriage gets some energy. Just think about that for a minute, what that looks like. It looks like not waiting until we're totally burned out to spend time together. Not giving our kids all or our job all and saving nothing for our spouse. It means being intentional about let's go Saturday morning when we're fresh and we have good energy and let's go do something fun together and, and, and put time and thought and energy into that. Don't always save it for the end of the day. I love this scripture in Proverbs 21.5. It says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. It's not the accidental happenstance leads to abundance. It's plans. And we have to be intentional. That's right. That's right. And just building on what you're mentioning about not saving it for the end of the day is I've, what I've seen with us here this, this last month in putting uh, the time together to go into the word together and be reading it over us is uh, doing that first thing in the morning, cutting, carving away time to do that first thing. It just sets the tone for the day more than I would have even thought. And I don't know about you guys, but I, I kind of liked having my own private kind of God time. That doesn't mean I can't still do that, but sharing it was a little bit of a sacrifice as well. So anyway. So now we want to do an activity for this, uh, this third type of soil. And what we want to do is, as a couple, just go ahead and ask the Lord 
together as a couple to do three things. Number one, to reveal to you any of those weeds, um, whether it be worries about life, deceitfulness of wealth, or desires for other things, just so you can know um, and have it revealed to you what it is that might be impacting you. And one of you might see some things and one, the other spouse may see something else. And then go ahead and pray for each other to be set free from those weeds. Get those pulled up. And then just commit, make a commitment to each other that you're going to keep those weeds out. All right, so let's go ahead and take a couple minutes, guys, and go ahead and dive in. guys we have about 30 seconds left again just asking the lord to reveal any of those weeds pray for each other to be set free and commit to keeping those weeds out Again, this is one that you can do more continued work on as a couple at home, you know. But now let's take a look at this fourth type of soil. So Jesus explained this fourth type of soil as others like seeds sown on good soil. They hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 36 or even 100 times what was sown. This is the goal right here. This is that fertile soil. You put almost anything into it and it just grows. It's deep. It's fertile. There's no weeds in there. It's just ready to grow some things. And uh, that's what we want for our marriage, right? So, uh, yeah, you put in a little bit of seed and you get a huge harvest. That's the abundant marriage, I think, that, that God wants for each of us. And, you know, we're, we're always, uh, God, God wants us to be fruitful, he tells us, right? So wherever our marriage is, there's always a higher level. There's always another place. There's always more, more freedom, more depth, more God. We're never going to reach the end of God. So, um, but when we're in this part, of, and, and we got to this soil, and we kind of struggled for a minute, like, Lord, what is, what is that soil? Like, how do we talk about that? Um, a fruitful soil. Well, you know, he brought immediately to us Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit. And when we walk in the fruit of the Spirit in our marriage, we see in our marriage love. We see joy. We're enjoying one another. There's peace in our home. It's not a bunch of strife. It's peace. We have patience with one another. We can bear with one another when things, when someone, when one of us is struggling. Uh, we have kindness and goodness toward each other. Faithfulness, like I am not giving up on you. I, I'm believing for you. I'm believing the best. We're gentle with each other. You know, when someone's having a bad day, we're able to respond with gentleness and self-control. And in our marriage, you know, a lot of times self-control looks like being able to let our partner struggle a little bit with what they're struggling with and just keeping our peace and praying for them and loving them through it 
but not having to always tell our spouse what we think about what's happening with them and their life or our kids or whatever. Having some self-control to stay quiet, to pray through it, to believe the best and not be emotionally reactive to every situation. So we want to walk in that kind of uh, fruit of the spirit in our marriage. And like Greg said, a small seed produces a big harvest. And it's something like just an act of kindness in our marriage, you know, uh, being able to just compliment the other person. And just that compliment can produce a fruit of, man, that makes me feel so loved. Thanks for noticing that. Thank you for taking the time. You know, or, or we get sent flowers, and those flowers aren't just, oh, yeah, what is, what is he buttering me up for? <laughs> what, what, is he, what does he want, or what did he do wrong? But it is, oh, man, he sees me, he knows me, and he loves me. And, and that little act produces a big fruit of, of love. And, um, and then the same thing happens on the flip side. Small things don't get blown out of proportion. You know, we all have a slip of the tongue. We all say things sometimes that we don't mean, we're frustrated, we're tired, we're grumpy, whatever's going on, but we can take that thing and we can say, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to take that. I'm not even going to meditate on that that just happened. I'm letting that go. I'm loving you through it. I, we just had a situation like that not that long ago. Greg was just grumpy and it would normally get me engaged right with it. You know, I would normally just come right back at him twice as hard as he's coming at me. And, I mean, the Holy Spirit, I just, I said, man, it seems like you're struggling. How can I help you? It was what disarming, guys. It was disarming. It was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he yeah. probably had his dukes up because that's usually <laughs> how we go. You know, it's like, well, he's, you know, said this, and I was offended, so now I'm going to. And then, but it was like, wow, that was fruit, fruit in our marriage. It was amazing. It was so nice. Yeah, and that's, that really is a picture of unity, right? And going back to the beginning, it creates this power. And when there's unity, there, there is that power. And uh, th a great example is when, uh, when, with the story of the Tower of Babel. And that's back in Genesis 11. And God is looking down at these people. They're kind of building this tower for the wrong reason. But you can still see the power of unity here. Here's his words. It says, the people are united and they all speak the same language. So we can say uh, that couple is united and they're, all, they're in agreement. There's, there's unity there. And then after this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. There are no limits, guys, when we're in unity and in agreement there. And uh, a cool thing when your marriage gets to that spot, uh, when that love is flowing there, well, God is love, like you talked about earlier, Ridge, and it, your marriage actually reflects God at that point, which is powerful. And uh, it's going to look different than the world, and all of a sudden that becomes a witness, really. It's like, what is different about that couple that there's so much grace, that they're walking in understanding, that uh, not getting tripped over the, up over this or that. Especially if you used to deal with those things and now you don't. Then there's a, the people that you're around are like, well, what is going on there? Well, then that's an opportunity to share about what God did, right? That opens the door. And why do we seek greater freedom? Why do we seek greater abundance? Why do we seek more of God? It's to strengthen our testimony. It's to bring other people to him. God wants us blessed so that other people can, we can speak into them. We can draw more people. I mean, that's the word of our testimony. And that's, you know, all of our mission is to get the world saved. That's everyone's mission, no matter what your particular personal one is. And so by seeking God for this unified marriage, how many marriages do you think maybe you could save? How many marriages do you think maybe you could speak into because you've sought God and you've created unity in your marriage by, by seeking him? And then what marriages could be saved? What families could not be broken because we endeavored, because we put the effort in? And we, we created unity, and now we have the ability to say, hey, I see where you are, and we've been there. But listen, you don't have to stay there. And here's four steps on how to get out of there, <laughs> or whatever, you know, your testimony is. Um, so that's why. That's why we seek God. That's why we seek his blessings, so that we can get people saved. I mean, that's really always what it comes down to. Um, Show them the kingdom. So we encourage you guys to take these home, to work through them more, to, I mean, you know, 30 seconds and a couple minutes here, but we, we've done something for, I don't know, I mean, I guess the last year, maybe a couple years, Marriage Monday, we call it. Monday nights, typically we don't have anything scheduled, so we do something for our marriage on Monday. A lot of times we listen to a teaching on marriage, 
Sometimes we get a workbook, we'll do, we'll throw on YouTube and find Jimmy Evans is one of our favorites, he's solid. I mean, you can just do that. Um, and so take a Marriage Monday, take a few Marriage Mondays and go through and say, you know, we started talking about that. Let's go deeper in that. Let's talk about this thing that we that God brought up for us. That's what we would encourage you guys to do. Amen. It's worth the effort. And I mean, you guys are here on for married life, so obviously you get the value of investing in your marriages. So kudos to all of y'all. Um, so we're going to end with one last activity, but before we do, let me go ahead and uh, pray for us. All right. Well, Lord, I just lift up each couple here right now, whether they're watching, whether you guys are right here in the room right now or on a replay. God, we just thank you for your presence here tonight. We thank you for the work that you're doing in each person in, in their heart right now. That, Father, you're doing some awesome things within these marriages, Father. Um, we thank you that we're moving uh, through the different types of different soils, that we can walk in forgiveness, that we can grow and get rooted in love. And, Father, we, that you and your Holy Spirit are so good to reveal to us and help us to remove any weeds that are in our hearts so that we can have that fruitful, abundant marriage that we can enjoy and that can be used as a witness for your kingdom in the world, Lord. So we give you all the glory and the thanks. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. So our last activity, if you can stand, stand up, grab your spouse's hand, and let's have a dance. <laughs> Smooches are allowed. <laughs> Somebody who could make me be true, could make me be blue, or even be glad just to be sad, thinking of you. Some others I've seen might never be mean, might never be cross or try to be boss. But they wouldn't do For nobody else Gave me a thrill With all your faults I love you still It had to be you Wonderful you It had to be you Be cross, try to be boss. They 